Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars about game design and publishing. These panels have been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers at Metatopia 2023. Episode 361, Crowdfunding Tips and Tricks in 2023, presented by Nicole D'Amato. All right, everybody, I'm just going to get started. Uh, I'm just going to tell you some basic insider stuff about running the Kickstarter, and then I'm going to open up to questions from y'all. If I don't know the answer to your questions, don't worry. I know people at my company who love the answers, so I'll just write them down with every email. Um, one of the first most important things that people overlook is you should definitely, like, bring your audience to Kickstarter. So if you have a game, you should definitely like bring it to events like this, build up your mailing list. If you can get a pre-launch page, does everybody know what a pre-launch page is on Kickstarter? Yes. So if you can get a pre-launch page up, the sooner the better. The more the more people you're following that, they'll all get an email as soon as you launch. And they'll also get an email, if they don't back it, they'll get an email in the final 48 hours of your campaign and the final eight hours of your campaign. So those are people that are super likely to convert to backers. Um, another thing is that people often don't get any content creator coverage. They don't get any like media coverage whatsoever. Um, I highly recommend doing that. There is a Facebook group that's called like Tabletop Media, and there's the Tabletop Content Creators Association, which has a Google sheet of over 300 content creators on it. Um, I have cards up here, so if you want that list, please email me, and I'm happy to send it to you. Um, like I said, it's a Google Sheet, so it's easily searchable. You can search it by like what kind of game you're making. You can search it by if you're making a family-friendly game. You can search it by people who don't charge money. <laughs> you can search it by people who do previews for Kickstarter games. So it's really it's a great resource. Um, I and the rest of the game team, there's three of us on the game team. We're available to give you feedback on your pages, to like help you with anything. We can help you find, you know, printers. We are. Two, two of the three members of the game team are veteran game designers. We've made our own games. We've had our own Kickstarter, so we can help you with printing. We can help you find, you know, shipping fulfillment people. We can talk to you about pledge managers. We can talk to you about advertisers. Like anything you need, soup to nuts, we can do it for you. Um, we're also very industry first. So if you come to me and you're like, "Here's the game I have," and I don't think that you should crowdfund, I'm happy to help you look at publishers as well. Like I know lots of resources for helping a publisher. So yeah, I'm here to help you guys with anything that you need. And uh, I also highly recommend that you, you know, email us and let us know, like, if, if you want us to be over your page or if you have any questions, or if you just want us to, like, I'm also here for emotional support. I joke about that, but it's a big part of my job, you know what I mean? Like, I've run my own Kickstarters. I know how stressful it is, so I'm here for emotional support as well. Um, and I'd love to hear what any of your questions are, if you guys have specific questions about running a uh, you mentioned the the, um, the, the pre-launch page and the email addresses. Um, are you able to get access to the email addresses? 
or are you able to launch the launch email more than once? So, so the pre-launch, no, you can't launch the that that more than once. You don't get, you only get access to the backer emails of people who have backed you, and you only get that link after your campaign closes. So, you currently aren't able to interact with people who follow your campaign, but we are working on ways to change that. So, we're working on ways to like say you wanted to send an update that went just to the followers. You know what I mean? And like. There's lots of tricks that I tell people. Like if you have, if your conversion rate is like 50, like a good conversion rate is like 20% or higher. So if your conversion rate is low, one of the things I recommend is right before that 48 hour email goes out, if you have like unlocked stretch goals or anything that you really want people to see as soon as they hit your page, put it all at the top. So that people who get that, you have 48 hours left to back this email, go and they can see everything in a second. Because that's, that's definitely gonna like make your chances better of converting the people into backers. So is that is that twenty percent conversion of your followers? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I've been running Kickstarters for about ten years now. Awesome. Um, but like the platform has changed significantly yes. in that time. A lot. Um, what sort of advice that like used to be gold advice is no longer applicable and like oh. what's new stuff that oh you might not be aware of, you might yeah. be still doing it the wrong old way. That's a great question. Um, gosh, what is no longer applicable? Well, ten years ago you didn't have to run ads. Yeah. Uh, and now running ads has become more and more important. Um, running ads is very tricky. If you know how to run ads and you know how to tweak your return on ad spend and like you understand that stuff, like I highly recommend doing it yourself, but you can also hire people to do that for you. Um, you can also, uh, pre-launch ads have also become pretty crucial. Crucial. There's a couple of companies, uh, LaunchBoom is one of them, that like you just work with them to do pre-launch stuff. Um, and they have like different levels like you can you can get their full consulting services for like a few thousand dollars, or you can just get like access to the information and kind of like teach yourself sort of kind of thing. Um, yeah, I think the marketing is the biggest thing that has changed. Um, we have recently changed our updated our text editor. I don't know if you saw that. No. Yeah, very recent, very recent. So they completely revamped like the story editor. There's now anchors. Um, uh, pledge tiers now have images, which is awesome. Um, and obviously we've added add-ons, uh, which has been huge. Um, another thing that wasn't true 10 years ago that is true now is pledge managers that are ubiquitous. Um, and also you can now have somebody fulfill your stuff. Like 10 years ago, you could not do any of that. You know, I ran my first Kickstarter in 2015 and there were no options for that. We ran an ad on like BGG for like $100 and I felt like I was the Monopoly man. I was like, I'm the smartest business person ever, you know? So like, yeah, that stuff has definitely changed. Um, and the market's just so much more saturated. So you really, it's really important to have a game that, like a page that looks good, your game should look good. You should have like, another big thing that has changed is, uh, especially with the pandemic, is a lot of people have pivoted to, like you can access their game on, on your game on Tabletopia or Tabletop Simulator or Board Game Arena. Um, Tabletopia actually offers a service. You can pay them $500 and they will put your game on Tabletopia and let people access it. And they only charge you that money for Kickstarter funds. So that's like so, so different. Like I, I never would have even thought of something like that 10 years ago. 
inspired because we look similar to his, sure. but also similar to like signing up stuff. Yeah. So signing up on crowdfunding, but sorry, signing up on Kickstarter. However, some people are also signing up on other like they'll have a Kickstarter, mm -hmm. but then they'll also have people sign up on a list that is not on the Kickstarter platform. Right. Um, what's up with that? Uh, that is dependent on who you're doing ads with and who you're doing pledge management with. So if you're doing pledge management with Badgerkit or um, like some of those, Badgerkit does ads and pledge management. So a lot of times they'll collect emails so that they can funnel you into the pledge management more quickly. And then LaunchBoom is also doing a lot of that stuff. Like if you sign up for something that gives you a bonus before the Kickstarter launches, that's usually LaunchBoom or one of the pre-launch companies. So like I know someone who successfully kickstarted something and he had like a list on Kickstarter, he had a list on backer kit, he had a list on Amazon, and he had a list on like Steam wishlist. I'm like, what how why did he do this and why did it work? Uh I don't know, especially for video games. Video games are like so hit or miss on the platform. Um I feel like there's been a lot of high profile games that are under delivered and people are a lot more skittish about backing video games, so yeah, I don't know. Okay, and the other thing is like the ads. So this guy with the successful Kickstarter, he only ran ads on uh, Facebook. If it's a board game, where should you be running ads? Uh, Facebook is good, Instagram is good, TikTok is now huge, which I find to be insane. <laughs> but I mean, but it's, but it's realistic, you know. Um, people still do ads on BGG. Um, so BGG is a good one? I mean, I don't know how to say BGG is a good one. It depends on your market, like who you're targeting. Yeah, yeah. I think if you're making like a crunchy euro, having it out on BGG. It's not, it's yeah. like, it's not, it's also not an American style party game. It's like in the middle. What about Reddit as a place to run ads? Oh, Reddit is great. Okay. Really? Reddit is great, yeah. Wow. Why is Reddit great? If there's a subreddit for something like, like if you're making like a party game and you can find like a Reddit party game, like like a subreddit for party games, and go on there and just be like, hey everybody, here's my party game. Like that doesn't even that's not even an ad you're running. You can just like go in and like post about it. Like, what if it was like a political game? Would it be like, um, like it's a political game that would probably do well with like standard issue progressives and centrists? Could I go to like some pro-choice rally and like market it there? Oh my god, sure, why not? Is that yeah okay yeah. Yeah, guerrilla so, marketing. Yeah, so I can do like politics separate. Here's the thing: you like, can do whatever you want. I mean, I think so. I mean, here's the thing about Reddit. Reddit is like, you have to find those people that are both interested in that thing and interested in board games. Yeah. And I think a lot of leftists, let's face facts, are into board games. <laughs> like, I don't, you know, I know a lot of people that are into board games, and not a lot of conservatives are in that. I think I think the game would do well with like teachers and kids, like not little kids, but like teachers and like high school age kids. Sure. I mean, that's another thing that you could. I mean, I, I was just talking about this last night. A like library, the American Library Association, the ALA conference now has like they'll have board games there. Like if you can, I say this so often, if you can get in without librarians, you're getting into schools. And if you have a game like that, then one of your pledge tiers could be buy a copy of the game and donate a copy to a local library or donate a copy to a local high school. That's a good idea. You do that. Brilliant. I love it. I love it so much. Um, I don't want to cut you off. Are you, do you have any other parts of that question? Oh, super cool question. Uh, average board game. 
how much should we be looking to uh, like raise on Kickstarter? That is that is a totally subjective question because it, it's up to like what your manufacturing costs are. Do you have to pay an artist? Um, it, it every single funding goal is is subjective to the gaming really. I'm happy to so there's no industry average. No, no. I mean, I mean, are you making a card game? Are you making a miniatures game? Are you making an RPG? Like they're all all over the place. You know what I mean? You're making a game with 200 minis. You're making a game with eight minis. You know what I mean? So it's like like 25 cards and like I don't know, like some amount of tables. Your funding goal will probably be very low. But what does that mean? What is like 10,000, 5,000? What's going on? So my recommendation is always. Whatever your game is, talk to manufacturers before you even think about your funding goal. Okay. Because the, the manufacturing price, the manufacturing costs are going to determine your funding goal. So so should the funding goal be like like how many like two x or five x of the? I mean, I don't know if this is like right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think when you're thinking about like I I I think of crowdfunding as sort of a pre-orders for yeah, your games. So how much would you want to sell the game for? What's your cost on it? How much do you need to make? Factor in the shipping and everything else that's going to go along with actually fulfilling those orders right. and make sure you're covered. Yeah, so like when I, ran my first, when I ran my first Kickstarter, we talked to five different manufacturers. We figured out how many copies of the game we were probably going to sell. Yeah. And then how many copies of the game we would have to print. How many, how many copies of the game we would have to sell at that cost to print, you know, a thousand copies, and then we added on that uh, Kickstarter and Stripe take about five percent each. Um, and you know, if you're going to pay an artist, you want to add in how much money it's going to cost to pay your artist. Shipping is even trickier now because you can do shipping later in pledge manage in the pledge manager, so you don't have to factor in shipping ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> so let's just say if manufacturing is five grand, yeah, how much do you ask for Kickstarter? If manufacturing is five grand. Uh, I would add in another 10% for the Kickstarter. I would okay. add in, are you going to pay an artist? Yeah. So whatever you're going to pay the artist. Yeah. Um, I would pay yourself at mm -hmm. least a little bit. Yeah. And I would absolutely pad that money. And just to tag on something, when people say don't forget the shipping, you forget how many times shipping comes in. Mm -hmm. If yeah. you're having it manufactured overseas and there's the shipping you get it here, then there's the shipping from the distribution. Then uh, there's the shipping that you're sending things back and forth to, uh, to people or to the manufacturer, whoever's looking it over. And I this completely thing. I ran a Kickstarter this year. I when I was doing the math, I did the manufacturing cost, and I didn't think about when I was figuring out what my total was. I thought about how many games I needed to sell. And I was selling my game for thirty-five dollars. Then I realized that I, I figured out okay, I know my sell price. I don't know my uh, my buy price. I'll just work out the what I need to fund from there. And forgot that um, my goal I set for like thirty five hundred dollars, and the first pledge comes in. I realized the pledge includes shipping because I was doing shipping through Kickstarter. Right. So my total represented far fewer games. Like my funding goal was far fewer games than I thought because the money from the shipping kept getting added in there. But the first thing I saw within five minutes was, oh boy, I fully screwed this up. Yeah. It ended up being okay, but the number of times you need to not forget shipping is. Astounding. Yeah. This is really interesting to me because I've only ever kickstarted a video game. Mm -hmm. So like this is like I feel like sometimes my skills in video games don't always transfer over to the board game world. Sure. Right. Are you saying that the, the shipping price affected reaching the goal? Is that what you're saying? He, he yeah. reached the goal faster than he expected because shipping was added in. Yeah. 
so let's just say that's standard how it's done now. Like uh, if you, if Kickstarter is doing the shipping, a if, lot of people. If, if you're including. Yeah, if you're including, if you if you include shipping in the Kickstarter pledge, if you're like, okay, it costs ten dollars to ship to the United States, my gate costs thirty five dollars. That pledge comes in at forty five dollars. Yeah. Is it better? It, but it also, I think you mentioned this. Some people now are putting shipping later. Yeah. Yeah. I that, think I think personally, as a person who has run Kickstarters and who has seen people go into debt over shipping issues and get really screwed by shipping, I always recommend doing shipping. Because shipping prices are going to change, like but shipping prices can if, fluctuate from the start and end of your campaign. Mm -hmm. There's 28 days of the change to the start. And if you're if you're doing your campaign at the end of the year and you're not shipping until the beginning of the next year, shipping prices always change January 1st. They always go up. So I always recommend putting in like a range for shipping, like having like a little like chart that's like United States will be 20 to 25 dollars. Europe will be. This amount, this will be, and just at the top, be like, these are estimates. You know what I mean? And like customers, mm -hmm. it seems like they're not shocked now when they get hit with the shipping bill later. People, people ask me today, they're like, should I eat some of the shipping? And I'm like, this is the, this is the time when consumers are the are expecting more than ever to pay more for shipping. So do not, like, I do not recommend ever eating shipping because <clears throat> that is the best way to lose money. Um, I want to talk to Canada. Sorry, he had his hand. No, I was just going to make a comment when you, you mentioned the political part of your um, game. And not to say that you can't do your entire business in the United States, but um, mentioning that it's a center left, it's not center left in the rest of the world. Yeah, so it's central. It's, it's honestly like I don't even see it appealing to people from in, in Canada and the UK. It's going to be like. Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> Hear that, Canada? <laughs> I mean, like you, you guys have all seen like buying the vote, which came out like right before the pandemic, and I think that because it was like you know buying the vote that board game, it was just it's so like American peculiar in terms of mechanics and how it relates to reality that it yeah no that makes sense yeah um, John, you had your hand raised. Did you already? Oh no, I think I think I got my question answered. Okay. I mean, it's, it's just I, I guess it sounds and like you're recommending, like it's definitely good to leave the shipping till the end. Is there any reason you wouldn't do that? Is there any downside to that? Um, if you're launching your campaign in like February or March and you're planning to ship it by September or October, I don't see, and, and you're not going to use a pledge manager, I don't see any problem in, in including shipping. Okay. Yeah. That was my scenario. What you, exactly what you described. Uh, I don't think I, I still don't even know if I would do it again because the fluctuations are so large. Uh, and the only reason why I, I, I wouldn't use this is I didn't want to have like a step. I knew I wasn't have a separate pledge manager. If for whatever reason you have a separate pledge manager, absolutely do the shipping. Because pledge managers can also handle taxes and VAT. Yep. Let uh, men do it. They're the professionals. There's also a small exception for uh, role-playing games uh, because most role-playing games are books. Oh, yep. And books, sh you can ship them very cheaply uh, with mail. media mail, mm -hmm. and media mail prices don't fluctuate. I mean, they go up every year on January 1st, but they don't fluctuate within the year. Uh, so it's a lot easier to budget for. Of course, media mail only works yeah, within the continent, within the United States. And for books, yeah. Um, and for, for specifically books. So like the instant a die or a, a sticker or something goes in, like, ha it's not media mail anymore. Like, yeah. you committed mail fraud. Yeah, but. So yeah, think about it, yeah. Thank you, that's a Stretch goals, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, stretch goals, yeah. Total, total other animal, yeah, yeah. Um, do you have a question? Yeah, so this is still about shipping. So the shipping costs that uh, your baggage are going to pay, 
Where's that shipping from? Like, so it starts in your manufacturer, then there's distributors and warehouses, however many there are. At what point does the cost shift for consumers? So when I when I think about shipping, I'm just thinking about the shipping from the creator to the backer. The shipping from the printer to the creator, that you should factor that into your printing cost. Okay. So like when I when I looked at the printing cost for mine, I added all that, all the like freight shipping into that and made that just a part of that equation. Okay. So if you're getting like fulfillment done by the manufacturer, that would just be whatever the most recent warehouse is directly Right. That would be the consumer cost. And that's what the pledge manager is going to, that's what the pledge manager would take into account. So the pledge yeah. manager would be charging that amount of money. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And so I'm, I'm not sure if you already addressed this at the beginning, but one of the questions I have is like debating whether or not to crowdsource or like I have a store and I have my own website and I can handle my own shipping and fulfilling of orders. And so I'm debating, you know, whether or not I just kind of do pre-orders on my own site or if I do a crowdfunding platform. And I, I understand that idea of like it being sort of a social media platform and kind of um, being able to reach a, a different market, but is there any other benefits to crowdsourcing, you know, or like, you know, what are the pros and cons? Sure, sure, yeah. So I, I talked about, but just a very little bit, yeah. I talked about uh, pre-launch pages and I talked about how it's important to bring your audience to the campaign, to the, um, the site. Mm -hmm. One of the things my boss always says is your campaign is the fire, Kickstarter is the fuel. So mm -hmm. if you don't bring any fire, dumping fuel on it is not going to do anything. And part of that is the algorithm. So if you have, say you have like 2,000 followers on your campaign, you launch it, all those 2,000 people get an email, say like several hundred people back your campaign, immediately you fund in the first 48 hours. The algorithm is gonna, because you have so much, because you have, and if, and if you're like, if people are leaving comments and you're engaging with them and you're posting updates, like the algorithm is gonna take all those things and you're probably gonna end up on the front page. So all those carousels that you see on the Kickstarter front page, like new and trending, hot right now, like most funded, those are all algorithms. I can't tell you how many times I get emails from people and they're like, can you get me in the new and trending? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I can't. Mm -hmm. That's like, uh, the machine does that. Mm -hmm. And then that is what's gonna bring in the Kickstarter audience. Mm -hmm. So once you start popping up on the site, then, then organically you're gonna get Kickstarter traffic. Mm -hmm. And the other benefit to using Kickstarter is like we have like a new social media team, we have a new marketing team. So like we have more power than before to help you promote your product. So like I can recommend you for like the outreach team, which is my team, can recommend you for Project We Love. Mm -hmm. And if you get recommended for Project We Love, there's a chance you get into the Project We Love email, which goes out mm -hmm. to like over a million people. Mm -hmm. um, we have a new and trending email. We have uh, they're they're putting stuff on our Instagram page on our TikTok. So th those are the benefits of, of using crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. um, and then in your unique scenario, you already have a shop set up and shipping set up, so you don't even have to worry about fulfillment or pledge management because you can just sh shuttle it all right from the Kickstarter into your Shopify or whatever you mm -hmm. have. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. yeah, great. Uh, so the, the carousels on the front page are, are algorithmically sorted. Um, what about search results? Like if you type something into the search bar, I know it used to be that those were, were kind of randomly sorted. Uh, is that still the case? So it depends on what sort you're using. Yes. So if you're using the magic sort, the okay. magic sort is the algorithm. And the magic sort is determined, 
I literally have never gotten the same answer from anybody at the company on how Magic Sort works. I've been there for over a year. Magic Sort, <laughs> Magic Sort, I'm pretty sure, is all the things that I just said. So it's like, it's sort of like how many people are backing, like how quickly they're backing, how much engagement you have on the page. So how many people are like commenting, how many people are engaging with your updates. Um, how many people are watching your video also, which I find interesting. Like you can you can see that data as you know because you've been doing this for 10 years. Um, yeah, so it's like all that stuff is what does the magic sort. And then the other sorts are just very straightforward, most funded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, then I'm advertising here for you, but on my Kickstarter, <laughs> I got none of the good stuff. I was not Project You Love. I was eight pages deep. I kept trying to find my things in. How bad I was down on the list. I was not getting that much support. At the end of the project, I still funded. I did fine. I asked everyone, "Where did you find find my game?" And forty-two percent said on on Kickstarter. That's because that magic sort that you're seeing isn't yeah. the same for everybody, because it's also driven by what you back. Yeah. So, like, I'm a super backer. So that means that what I back gets more priority to other gotcha. backers because I'm a super so if you the other that's the other crazy thing if you bring a lot of first time people to your campaign those first time people aren't affecting the magic sword it's only the backers that have backed a lot of stuff that are affecting the magic sword gotcha. it's black magic <laughs> as far as I'm concerned yeah and the other the other thing like you just said like you didn't get French cool like I checked last week there were 855 live campaigns and there are three of us I like when people send me a campaign, I cry. I'm like, they're like, have you seen this? I'm like, no, it only has two days left. Like, I can't do anything because it only has two days left. So I always encourage people to email me, email me before you even launch. Yeah, all I'm saying is even if you're trying to advertise where people are, um, a lot of board gamers are on Kickstarter. That's the thing, a lot of board gamers are on Kickstarter and a lot of board gamers, I this is like another thing that's like inexplicable. It, and this has been dictated by, by backers. People launch on Tuesday morning, Eastern Standard Time and they end on Friday afternoon Eastern Standard Time. And that's because board gamers are, they just, they got through a, a work day on Monday, it's Tuesday morning, they're all caught up on their work, it's 10 a.m. and they're like, I'm gonna look at Kickstarter. So that's why if you see a crap load of things launch on 10 a.m. on Tuesday, that's because of that trend that has been happening for over a decade. And it ends on a Friday, because that's traditionally when people get paid. Is it me? Um, so speaking of time, yeah. In the video game world, it's commonly said that video games on Kickstarters generally do best if they launch in quarter two because it's the least saturated quarter. For board games, what era of the year? I hate, I keep answering your question like this, but it's very subjective. <laughs> so I don't ever recommend launching end of December or early January right. because there's just people are just not looking at the site and they're not backing things. Um, a lot of when people launch their campaigns depends on like, if you want to have that game printed and ready for Gen Con, like you're probably going to launch in the beginning of the year or or the year before. If you plan on going to specific events and you want to launch during that event so you can show the game to people so you can get more backers live at the event, then that's when you back in. You'd want to launch ahead of the presidential election and hope for the Sure. Best. 
No, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Did you say hope for the worst? <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> so I love your vision for the United States. <laughs> I feel like that would do better if Trump would win. Sure, 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 sure. At least so. I'm excited for you to make money. <laughs> nope, Canada's not buying it now. <laughs> um, Canada, do you have any space for me to move there? Yeah. Um, yes, gentlemen in the back with the blue shirt who I've never met. <laughs> Um, for what it's worth, as someone who's worked at multiple publishers and as customer service after the pandemic, is either the one that pulled this up, like if you're scheduling to be running a place during an event or convention, yeah. the timing other than like January and December, it doesn't matter. Like now that most of our people are more connected to the like remote working and computers, like that before the pandemic, it was usually I think like Q three yeah. was the time like everyone launched it. Now it's just like whatever your specific audience is most active. Yeah, like like you running your game during the election is growing. If someone's writing an RPG, they probably want to wait till after. Like you know, unless it's a political shortage. <laughs> I think I think the Q three thing is becoming more relevant now. Though like uh, October twenty fourth was when I knew Critter Kitchen was launching. And I knew like three others that were launching, and I was out of work that day. And I got no lie, like twenty emails of campaigns that launched that I didn't realize were all launching on October twenty fourth. And I asked our coordinator, "Hey, can you send me a list of all the games that launched that day, just so I can keep track of them?" I thought it was going to be like ten. It was eighty games oh, launched on October twenty fourth. So, <laughs> and I think I'd rather if I think quarter two is like a dead quarter for Kickstarter in general. Um. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, it's tough because I think that's when a lot of people are getting ready for Gen Con. They're getting ready for Origins, getting ready for Gen Con. So people that are, the bigger companies that are getting ready to do that are less likely to launch yeah, campaigns, but it's yeah. still very busy. Yeah. Do you guys remember when, like, Secret Hitler became a thing? And then, like, after the 2016 election, it just blew up. And it had, they, like, they even printed, like, Secret Trump and everything. Yeah, I mean, Secret Trump was part of the... If you backed at a certain level, you got stickers to make Hitler Trump, which was great. <laughs> no, I, I didn't back that one, but like I bought, I bought. It was a set of cards. It was seven cards for seven dollars, and yeah. at that point, they were just printing dollar bills. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, anybody else any questions? Yeah. So I know you mentioned a few things that uh, pledge managers do, but could you just explain what they are and how they work? Sure, sure. Yeah. So a pledge manager is like a post-Kickstarter order system that also keeps track of all of your pledges that were on Kickstarter. So you can basically take all your pledges on Kickstarter, export them into your pledge manager, and then they are the ones that manage like what everybody's buying and all their add-ons and everything like that so that you don't have to do it yourself. And they also, like I said, can it can it can then become a store. So like you can essentially continue your Kickstarter on the pledge manager. And then they collect that, they collect taxes, and they collect the shipping for all of your stuff and keep track of all that for you. And do you recommend a certain pledge manager or a few? I hate to, again, it's subjective. Um, we have a partnership with pledgemanager.com. Um, they are a white glove service, so they build the whole thing for you. If that's something that you're into, I'm happy to connect you with pledge manager. Factor um, Kit and GameFound are not that way. You build it all yourself, but there's also like lots. There's it, it just completely depends on what you want to do, how much work you want to do, and how much it means to you to be in control of every aspect of it. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, no point.
you have a question back? For someone who's not yet gone to Kickstarter out, what are the three main things you feel is you get right before going Sure. So I think the, the main thing is getting an audience, building an audience first. So going to events like this, showing your game off. Like I need my game, my first game I made in uh, August 2013, and I launched the Kickstarter in March of 2015. So I spent a year and a half hustling, just like talk. Oh, the other that that's the first thing. The second thing is definitely talk to manufacturers, have all your printing prices figured out before you even figure out your funding goal, because that is the foundation of your funding goal. Um, and the third thing is, like I said earlier, like get reviewers, make sure you get like, make sure that your page has commentary on it about your game from someone who's not on your team. So if that means getting previews, if that means getting reviews, if that means having playtester feedback, like anything that you can have that stands out on the page. And I also recommend like not having it in one place, but having it like peppered throughout your page. So have like game summary comment from someone in the same graphic design style as the rest of the page like components like comment from somebody you know what i mean so that it's like so it's like something that like breaks up the page and also gives people something fun to read yeah uh just getting reviewers previewers and yeah 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 and and for anybody who didn't come in uh who was who a little bit late uh one of the things i do have access to is the tabletop content creators association list it's got over 300 content creators and i'm happy to share it with you how do we get a copy of that i can email it to you i can give you my, one of my cards yeah. it used to be googleable and then the guy running it like let the page lapse but i still have access to the google doc <laughs> so i'm just gonna send it to people yeah yeah great john is it is it a bad idea to, to launch like a small product that's just like one thing, no options, like no stretch goals. But can that work for the right kind of thing? I love that question simple? so much. Thank you so much for asking that question. That's my favorite question. I I love campaigns that have no stretch goals and one pledge tier. Like uh, uh, Daniel Newman and Tony Miller ran a Kickstarter for Chris Chan's Portents, and I. Whenever people are like, "Can you send me a list of your favorite campaigns?" That's one of them because they were like, "We're not doing stretch goals because we don't have to. This game is finished." And there's nothing else we want to offer you for it. And they had one pledge tier, and it was for the game, and that was it. Are those statistically better, like, like more likely to fund than things with many tiers? They have run, they have an audience and have run several Kickstarters. So I think that that's also how it worked for them. I don't know if it would work for a first timer, but I also do not think that people should break their backs on stretch goals because stretch goals are going to add, stretch goals add more headaches. If you don't have all your stretch goals planned out ahead of time, like, a stretch goal could be the difference between one shipping tier and the next shipping tier, and you might not be ready for that. Uh, a stretch goal, I had somebody, they bought, you know, a thousand envelopes that were a specific size, and then the stretch goal made it so they couldn't fit it in that envelope anymore, and they had to buy different envelopes, and then that bumped them up to another shipping tier, and they lost like six grand on that campaign. Like, and I know I, I, a lot of people will, will, a guy that I work with a lot, one of the stretch goals that he does is to uh, give more money to the artists and the writers and the creators, which is also super great because like it. people want to so it's like hey I've already paid these people their minimum price yeah but if you if we can get stretch goals to give everybody who worked right. on this creative team more money yeah. yeah so I love that one like, like 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 somebody asked me like oh why are video game Kickstarter so much more expensive than board game Kickstarters and I'm like well that's because board game people making board games undervalue their time so. When you're doing your funding goal for your board game, it's just for making the game. It's not for paying yourself. 
when video game developers run a Kickstarter, they're usually like, we have four people that we have to pay a salary to for a year because we're doing this full time. Mm -hmm. And so, those, those, those four salary people are still underpaid oh, compared to what they could yeah. be doing. <laughs> they're terribly underpaid, embarrassingly underpaid. Yeah. So, so I find that to be really frustrating. And I think, I think more people should be like, hey, if we hit this stretch goal, guess what? I'm going to pay myself money for the 5,000 hours I put into making a game. Yeah. I saw hands. You first. Yeah. Um, along the same lines, is it better to have multiple tiers where you mix and match certain rewards or have lower tiers but add-ons? I mean, that's completely up to you. I think that the add-ons are, are better because sometimes there will be a tier that is like, I'm like, oh, well, I don't want those four things, but I do want this thing. And then I'm like, ooh, let me just see what the add-ons are. So I'll just add the like lowest level to my cart to see what, and then I'll just compare it financially. I'll be like, which one of these makes more sense for me to back? So it's really up to you. I've heard that the more tiers is better because that's how people visually anchor to how much they care about this project. And it's like, I care $50 worth right. or $100 worth or $5,000 worth. I think that's true, and I also like now that we have the images attached to the pledge tier, so people people don't have to find that image on the page that's like, this is what all the tiers are. Now you can just look at the pledges and see what the tiers are. I also think that it's, cool. if you have a game that has a lot of add-ons, it's really easy to, okay, I'm, I'm in for the $50 game, cool, then you go to check out and you see a bunch of stuff there that's maybe $5, $10, it's an easy add-on, as opposed to jumping to like $125. And suddenly, for every single game you're selling, you're at 60, 65, 70 instead of just the base game. Yeah. Like the candy bar to check out. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes that candy bar is $70, and I'm still buying <laughs> Like, Obajima, I had to stop myself from, because I was like, looking at the pledge shares, and I was like, I'm absolutely not paying $70 for these dice. And I like agonized. <laughs> and then there was an add on page, and I had to agonize again. And I was like, I'm not going to pay that much money for dice. And I didn't. And I regret it. I should have. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yes, yeah, so I'm currently back in my team that they do have different pledge tiers, um, but they, they also have a lot of like small stretch goals. And they're all like social media based. Or yeah. if I get 20 comments based on this quick little puzzle that I did. Um, then I'm on to stretch your like three extra cards. And by doing that, he got engaged on the page, um, got the boost, I think, on like one of the, the featured campaigns. So that's a good way if you have, you know, something that's not too expensive to produce, just gets more cards going. Yeah. And by now there's been like three three or four of those. And the I was already fine paying the amount I did for what I was getting at the base level. And now I feel like I have like twice as much game that I originally bought. Right. And that was all just based on interacting with the so from the I consumer mean, aspect, they're really fun. Yeah, I mean, here's the secret. What we did for our first Kickstarter was we we figured out all of our stretch goals. We priced the game with all of those stretch goals. And our intention was if we didn't make those stretch goals, we would just be like, hey, guess what? Turns out we did it anyway. Because mm -hmm. then like people love that. So but 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 it's definitely like there was one stretch goal that was like, we'll add in an expansion. And guess what? We didn't test that expansion enough. And I forgot to put it in the rule book. So B people on BGG were like, how do I use these cards? And I'm like, I don't know. Go to page. And then I looked in the rule book and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Go to page nowhere because I dunked it. So I had to like make an FAQ page and yeah. I have a question. Like, so, um, because my partner's always like, you just remember if you do a Kickstarter, you're going to have to stop everything you're doing and devote all of your time to the campaign. How much time are we talking? 
Like, oh, should man. I like dedicate like I don't know, <laughs> like a month, two months? Like, I mean, I've like, got like eight hundred million things going on all at once, and like just to like follow up with the emails and make sure the social media is going, right. and, like does all this stuff. So like. What's the like lead in time? Sure. You know, because right, the campaign might go up and and fill in like three or four days, but it's all the work leading up to the right. to that launch date, right? So, so real quick thing about stretch goals. Also, we talk about stretch goals. If you do do stretch goals, one of the things I recommend is just have a few at a time, because then as you unlock them, people can check them out. And if you have too many and you don't fund, like people, people that like turns people off. I think, but that's. What you asked me just reminded me of that. So okay, yeah, no worries. Because <laughs> um, stretch goals are definitely something that you want to plan out ahead of time. Mm -hmm. I would say at least have like a list of what you want your updates to be. So you could be like, oh, if we fund, I'll do this update. If we don't fund, these are the updates I'm going to do to keep engagement. Mm -hmm. So maybe you'll unveil art or mm -hmm. maybe you'll, you know, re reveal new characters or something like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. um, if your game does blow up, you will have so many comments, and you will want to interact with those comments, especially if those comments are questions. Yeah. And one of the things that you'll probably want to do is, if you get the same question over and over again, you'll probably want to have an FAQ. So that's sure. something that you want to keep in mind that you're going to want to dedicate some time to. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the updates, the updates were the thing that we were the most surprised about because we we were like, we're either going to fund right away or we're not going to fund at all, and we funded right away and didn't have an update ready, and we were packing to go to Praxis. And like frantically, my partner was like frantically making art for the update. So like, I think that planning out as much as you, because like you can't plan out where you're gonna reply them in the comments, and you can't plan out an FAQ because an FAQ is all the stuff that you for, that you didn't think of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I would say that the, I would say that the duration of the campaign, you're probably gonna be very busy. I wouldn't plan anything super strenuous. If you do plan a convention during that. That's um, going to be probably the most intense couple of days of your life because you will not only be exhausted at the convention, but you will also have to keep an eye on comments or just mm -hmm. put, make an update that's like, hey, I'll be at a convention. Mm -hmm. I won't be answering comments for the next few days. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, we did that. We went to a convention mm -hmm. during the, and it was great because we had like a QR code. We could send people directly to the game, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's going to be, it's intense. Uh, I do tell people like, I'm, for emotional support because that's <laughs> like like you'll make like usually typically you'll make a third of your campaign in the first 48 hours a third of your campaign in the last 48 hours and the other third in the middle so that's just not board games or everything um that's board games and i think oh i think a lot of the other categories are also like that um Video games, it's such a, it's it's a little bit different because a lot of video games go longer than 30 days. So that one can fluctuate a lot. And also it, it's it's also different if you have like, if you get content creators and you get somebody to like, you know, post a video in the middle of your campaign, you might see a huge spike. You know, if you go to an event, you might see a huge spike. So it's like. And so do you recommend like a month or shorter? Like. Of like of two dedicating weeks, two your short, entire well, for life for the to, launch, <laughs> for like the from like the time that it launches to the time that it closes. Thirty days is pretty. Common. Thirty days is pretty common. Okay. Yeah. What about pre-launch? Pre-launch, you can do as long as you want. Yeah, I, the pre-launch is the part where my comments to be dedicated. Yeah. <laughs> so people in video games are saying it's like pregnancy. So you want to do nine months. <laughs> yeah, oh my but, god, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah. But like, video games are also very specific because there are so many. There are so many different avenues for video games. Like uh, Steam Next Fest is massive, yeah. so 
I often tell people to either, because you can only do steam and excess one time at the game. Yeah. So I recommend they either do it during the Kickstarter, you get a lot of that organic steam traffic, or when they come out of early access. And that's like an agonizing decision for most people. <laughs> yeah. Um, for what it's worth, there is no convention center in the country that has the library. <laughs> 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 Like, it's very true. It's so very true. He, like, yeah. I, I worked for a publisher for like eight years. Yeah. And the finalists were like, no, we can't send you pictures of the booth or the demo of the game or right. Kickstarter because you're stuck on my phone. Yeah. You're unless like, you, I, unless I you walk an hour to get outside to get sent. Unless like, you have a dedicated hotspot, which which also yeah. costs money. If yeah. you're at Gen Con, though, you don't have fun because I'm working at yeah. the booth. Yeah. So if you're at, if you're like, if you built this thing, it's probably a good idea to have someone on your team not be there. Yeah. yeah. That you're like, hey, here's all the yeah. pictures I took yesterday. Upload them from the shop. Right, right. Yeah. 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 Jenna's like, like that. my nerves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you telling me? I haven't had signal for two days. Like, when, when writing my first rule book on the Kickstarter blows up. Yeah. If you were like, hey, and you want to like drive that like, <laughs> you're, you're doing a million things at the time. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, you're stuck in a concrete <laughs> building and you're yeah. like, oh, 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 shoot. I yeah. really you're eating three chips and a Nutri-Green bar for lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're not having a good time. Yeah. yeah. I think my, all my emails just permanently say, if I don't respond, Sorry. Like, I check <laughs> yeah. my email once a week. Like See, a QR code, have a QR code to lead people <laughs> yeah. to your Kickstarter and the most reasonable, like, hey, we're at mm -hmm. some Plug. We'll answer your thing when we get back in a week. Yeah, yeah. And do yeah. not say you're going to get back in the day you get back. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I trust me. These are, these are things I'm very, very well versed on. Yes, absolutely. Did you ever? Thank you. No, I'm just waiting to your comment. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, right. Like, you could launch your pre launch page today. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, if your and game's not going to be now. done for a year and a half, it's still there. Yeah, and so like with the, with that, like so would it be so would I also take pre orders on my site even sure? Like what's the like even if I don't yeah. like right, just put it up, take money, yeah, and be like, we haven't even done a crowdsourcing yet. So yeah. that can all just go hand in hand. You do whatever you want. Yeah. One one thing doesn't have to live without the other. Yeah. I, I, I definitely so, think that maximizing that is a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Great. Very cool. So yeah. for um if you can have the pre launch page as long as you want. Is there a certain way where people are like, oh, I was interested, but now it's been uh, a year and a half. Guess what? They're still getting an email. So yeah. Yeah. And then they might have forgotten. Oh, boom. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, that's, oh, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Right. I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I might be an outlier. I've backed over, I've backed almost like 500 campaigns on Kickstarter. So I hit that notify me button and I'm thrilled when I get that email. I'm like, oh, yeah, that thing I was excited about. Like, like that's me. And I think that's a lot of people who. Yeah, okay, I'd be the same way. But, oh, cool. This, is, this thing's happening, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. The only negative I can see is that. Sometimes if you're meeting someone at a convention, you're meeting someone really quickly, you have time for maybe one social media interaction. Like they might remember like, okay, I'm gonna click in on Kickstarter, or I might sign up for your like, email list, or I might jump right. on your Instagram. But they're right. probably not gonna do all three. Yeah, and if they don't do it right then and there, they probably also won't do it. You know. Yeah, but I mean, the good news is you can also put it, you know, put it on your Instagram, put it on your social media, yeah, right. so people can hop on it. Send out intermittent, Emails to your mailing list, like, hey, just a reminder, free lunch pages, uh, you know. So, so like, we're all here testing games. Um, who would you recommend that 
get it started right away. You sure. Yeah. Finish testing. I mean, the, the catch is uh, to launch a pre launch page, you have to have your page approved, and that can take up to three business days. So keep that in mind. Okay. So if you're like, oh, I'm going to launch on Thursday, I'm submitting my my page for approval on Wednesday, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to like remember that lead in time. Okay. Well, like the pre launch page is not really the thing. So. Getting it ready to go. The pre-launch page is still tied to approval, unfortunately, and we are working on having an improved pre-launch page. Oh, so you need the, the actual campaign page. Right, you need it to be approved, which it can okay. be approved even if it's like pretty bare bones. If, yeah. if you're just like, hey, it art, art placeholder here, art placeholder here, art placeholder here. Yeah, cool. yeah. You don't, you don't need the art, but you do need pictures of my playlist. You do need to have the money. Right. Like how much you want to like? No, no. You can no. change the funding. Yeah, you can change you can the funding. Change, there's what when you're approved. Yeah. You can. There's lots of stuff you can still change. Once you launch, you can't change your end date. You can't change your funding goal. You can't change your pledge right. tiers. As right. soon as anybody pledges to it here, you can't. So you can make as many edits as you want as long as it's still in the pre-launch. Right. I think you can't change like your banking information and your country sure, of origin. Sure, yeah, it's like yeah, it's like yeah. very like just foundational things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, just one quick thing. Um, are there any interesting ways you found of people kind of driving traffic or generating comments, getting more interactivity on the thing? I, I did very little of this, but the little I did did help. Like I'm having, I made a foil card, like a Kickstarter exclusive, and I said, "Hey, pick the art that's going to be on the." Foil oh, that's card. great! Anything that you can get people interacting, like, is amazing because that'll drive it up the algorithm. Yeah. Uh, John, did I give you a card already? I give you a card. Right? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. If, if before you guys leave, if anybody wants one of my cards, please take it. Um, Where are you? Uh, I, wait here, sorry. Oh, I'm going to make you come up to them. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, to answer your question, I'm going to give you guys all an insider scoop. This is something that a lot of people don't know. To answer your question, um, one of the best things that you can do is say you've got a thank you. Say you've got a game that like also has like a zine or like a book in it, or you have like something that has like some sort of digital component. You can switch categories in the middle of your campaign. So if you have like oh. some kind of like something that yep. would apply to design and tech, you can be like, I'm going to thank you so much. You be like, I'm going to spend a week in the design and tech category and see if that. You can change the categories as many times as you want, yeah. Hello, Robert Covert and Alex Teller. Did you just bust into my panel yelling, what's up? Well, wait until this is It's about crowdfunding. I do. Everybody is holding the car. Are we in the wrong place? Are we in the wrong time? What time is the time? I'm done. Oh, you're done. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, what's the hobby group? Uh, what are you doing up there? Hey, coffee. Coffee. Uh, what are you doing up there? Uh, what are you doing up there?